basically said, you're a renter, move in with your parents, move, do something like, uh, because your situation is so bad. And so I personally um, do not choose to detox until someone's out of that situation. Uh, right. Because what's the point? Yeah. Right. So I, I basically level with them and I say, you know, I can give you some antioxidants in the meantime, just to help you from the free radical damage. But I don't think it's worth wasting your money on something that you're constantly being exposed to. I think you have to remove yourself from the situation first. That's my that's my perspective. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Not Another Wellness Podcast with Natalie Dellinger. So happy to be your host today. Thanks for being a listener today. And I'm really excited for this show. On this episode today, I'm talking with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, who is a chiropractor and functional medicine practitioner out in Longmont and Denver, Colorado. We're talking all things environmental toxicity, issues they cause in the body, specifically mold and side effects from exposure to mold, including hormonal imbalances, mood, sleep, stress, inflammation, you name it. I had no idea that mold was so toxic. I mean, I probably have heard about it before from a few people, but to really go this in depth was really eye-opening and frightening. I don't know if I've been exposed to mold. I don't know if you have ever or know somebody who was living in a place that has had a lot of mold in it, but damn, you got to be careful where you're living and you got to be careful tuning into your body to see like, how am I actually doing? How am I combating stress? How am I feeding myself? And what is my environment like that I'm spending hours in? And this mold topic is terrifying. So I'm really glad to cover it today on the show because I really had no idea. And if you didn't either, even if you did, you are sure to learn something in this episode. So we're going to cover Dr. Anne-Marie Barter's background and then really dive heavy into environmental toxicity and mold specifically. And at the end, I love this topic so much. We talked about hormones and stress for men, which I didn't know anything about. I've known a lot about women's hormones, but have never like purchased a book on men's hormones, obviously, because it doesn't relate to me. But this is so, so interesting. So um, talk about men's hormones, women's hormones, birth control. Is it safe? Is the copper IUD safe? These are things that I think it's important to like do some research on yourself, but also listen to this episode all the way to the end to catch Dr. Anne-Marie Barter's take on this based on her research and her experience. Whew. Yeah. And to start the show off, I wanted to read a recent ratings and review. It says, a true better being. I've been a listener and recently a guest, and I have to say I'm incredibly impressed with all sides. The diverse topics and wealth of interesting guests always makes for informative and entertaining episodes. Natalie is raw and real and brings out the best in her guests. There's so much wisdom coming from someone who is quite early in the journey. I look forward to hearing and listening for many years to come. Ooh, Michelle is 11.30. Thank you, thank you. If you guys haven't listened to Michelle's episode, Better Beings, you should. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Michelle, um, and so she left me that review, which is so kind of her. And she's episode 45, so go five episodes back. The You Revolution is her book, and she's introduced me to a future guest who's coming on the show in a little bit. I can't wait to get to that because it's been changing my life. All right. I'm rambling, but um, I did want to say that 
Yeah, if you like the show, you probably hear me say this every time. Head over to iTunes, leave me a rating and review. It's really helpful. And I'd also like to thank Hedery CBD for helping partner with me. Um, if you guys are interested in trying CBD, they have two amazing products. One is a good morning product. It's a full-spectrum hemp-drive CBD oil formulated to help soothe the mind and body. And that's you take first thing in the morning. And then they have a snooze, which is the same thing, full spectrum hemp drive CBD oil, but has a little bit of melatonin in it to help soothe the mind and body from stressors that compete with our natural sleep cycle. I have a discount code. It's NAT15 for 15% off. If you purchase that, it helps me, helps the show. Um, If you want to just donate to the show directly, there is a link to the show notes. That would be amazing, like dream come true. So thank you so much for for taking the time to listen and also giving me this channel to spread the good vibes and talk about entrepreneurship and wellness and all these things that I love so much. Thanks to Dr. Anne-Marie for being a guest. And I know you guys are... I say this every episode, going to love this one, but I really mean it. This is jam-packed with info, and I hope you find it as useful as I did. Cool. Here we go. listening to Not Another Wellness Podcast, and today I am speaking with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Thanks, Anne-Marie, for being here. So nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. This is I'm really psyched about being here today. I can't wait. I was just reading through some of the things you've already accomplished in your life, and it really got me excited to dig into some of these topics that you help patients with. So before we even go into that, I'd love to know what is one thing that lights you up in this world? Uh, So I'm a real adrenaline junkie, real adrenaline junkie. And so it's not just, I guess, one thing. Um, I like mountain biking and backcountry skiing. That's awesome. I mean, really, you live in the right place for it. That's for sure. We sure do. We're neighbors. Yeah, yeah. we are. We didn't even realize it. <laughs> That's awesome. So what brought you out here to Colorado? Well, believe it or not, I'm actually native. <laughs> One of the few, I was born here, but did a lot of growing up other places. Um, and so my extended family was always here. So I came back every summer and Colorado always just had a very special place in my heart. So um, I spent so many summers here. and. When I finished up um, my journey at chiropractic school, um, my mom was actually sick with stage four cancer. I don't think I've ever spoken about this before, but my mom was sick with stage four cancer and her dream was to live in Colorado. She actually lived in Texas at the time. And um, she said, you know, why don't you stop in Colorado on your way back from Oregon after you've finished up school? And um, I stopped and I never left. And, and, a couple years later, she passed away, but I felt like I was doing her dream um, by she always wanted me to have a wellness clinic and um, feel like starting this was something that I actually did in her honor. So it was very special. And so that's how I ended up in Colorado. I just fell in love with it and never left. Well, that's amazing that you lived out that dream. Um, and you mentioned chiropractic school, so um, I know you went to school for that. And um, how do you, why do you think you you came to that decision to start with chiropractic 
Yeah, I get that a lot because um, I get called a witch doctor and all kinds of other things. Like people don't know how to refer to me. So the reason I ended up doing chiropractic school versus nutrition versus naturopathic school versus like being an MD, which um, I was told I was wasting my talent by not doing that. Um, I was so passionate about chiropractic. I felt like the adjusting was awesome and it had completely changed my life. Um, I felt completely different when I would dance or when I would run. And I wish I would have known about it sooner in life because I probably would have taken both of those things to the next level. And so that was really key and critical for me for someone to actually treat and adjust my feet. And also, um, my neck was another big one. I just, I had a really hard time processing words on a page initially when I was young. And so having my neck adjusted completely changed that and turned the lights on. But the main reason I actually chose to do chiropractic school, you know, versus the other schools, um, other than the adjustment piece was the licensure was pretty broad across, um, all the states. I could do the chiropractic, but I could also do the nutrition. Um, so I just had to decide which one to go to school for. And, you know, basically I wanted to do chiropractic and nutrition merged. I always saw it that way because that's what changed my life was both of those things together. And, Ultimately, I just think it, it made such a huge impact that I couldn't do one without the other. Really cool. So you started out chiropractic school, decided this was had benefited you personally. How did we get to having the alternative family medicine and chiropractic center that we that we see today in Longmont and Denver, Colorado? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I guess I I moved here. Um, and for me, when I initially sought out a job, um, it was kind of interesting. It was just like a bizarre situation. So I ended up um, starting up alternative family medicine and um, it, it ended up really working out and I had no idea. It was definitely a struggle for the first eight months. And then suddenly like my practice just exploded and um it was just something that I love. And then um, a couple years later, um, my personal life took me to Denver and I started like kind of a, a satellite clinic there. And I just kind of thought through like, oh, well, it's not going to be, I can close this practice down if, you know, if it, if it slows down or something like that. I never really considered what would happen if it got larger. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have two clinics now and um, I'm very committed to the patients in both areas. And so it's kind of been this way for about seven years. Um, and I just, I love it. So I kind of live in between and um, my docs that are here work out of uh, work out of both. And it's just been an awesome experience. And so at at the clinic here at Alternative Family Medicine Chiropractic, we do both chiropractic graston, dry needling, cupping, um, and all of those things, as, as well as the nutrition and the functional medicine. And for those of you that don't know, functional medicine is where like you basically can use specialized lab testing or you can use um, just basic lab testing. And that would be something that's run by your primary care. And we read that differently, meaning I think when I first graduated school and I looked at labs and I saw that somebody was normal, I just basically thought they were healthy. 
like there was a, there was just a, something in my head that said that meant that was healthy. I don't think anybody had ever told me that, but I jumped to that conclusion. Right. And I, I think a lot of people feel the same way. If I'm in reference range, then I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. You're actually normal or AKA average. Okay. That doesn't mean that you're devoid of symptoms. That doesn't mean that you're devoid of an autoimmune disease. That actually just means you're standard like the rest of the population. And so how I break this down is, you know, we live in Colorado And if you look at our blood sugar markers in Colorado, most of them go from 65 to 99, okay? If we go to Georgia and we look at the same glucose marker, it goes up to 120 on the upper end where ours went to 99. And the American Diabetes Association considers full-blown diabetes 126, right? Um, Somewhere in that range. And so ultimately, it's basically how healthy or how sick the population is is what the reference ranges are based on. So we have reference ranges that are optimal that we use to basically put together where we need to treat so that this patient no longer has symptoms or getting to the root cause of what's going on because people know they don't feel good. They know they're fatigued. They know they're anxious. They know they're depressed. They know their periods aren't right. And they don't know why? Or they're losing hair and they're told they're normal or they're told they need a, a psychiatric evaluation or, or something else. And maybe that's, the, maybe that's true in the case. Or maybe it's just that they realize something's going on that's not quite right in their body. And um, they're, they're noticing that earlier. And so it's really easy to correct when you're looking at it um, early and just fixing the problem. So this actually happened to me, a blood test showed like a normal range or something. And then I had a nutritionist look at the results or someone, you know, like yourself. And they were like, yeah, but you know, that's still not, doesn't mean your thyroid's in the right place. And I was like, what, how could that, what do you mean? How could you have a different reading of it? So that's really cool to hear. You kind of take it sounds like the standard blood test that someone would go into and get at like a a checkup or if they want something specifically looked at by a general physician and then kind of like do for more a more holistic analysis based on like symptoms that they have or like what are you using to determine the difference then yeah so there's like numbers that have been um studied and researched in other countries of what's a better range okay so for example, with like with liver health, for um, example, my range is much smaller. So my range um, in liver health goes up to 21 or 19. They've showed on ultrasound that anything above that, which is called AST or ALT, indicates fatty liver, which means your liver isn't processing, which means you're having a hard time dealing with the environmental toxins. And so ultimately, like we're just using smaller reference ranges based on the research, but the rest of the medical community hasn't caught up yet. I see. And so that's kind of where all of this has come from. Um, initially, it started more anecdotal, and then the studies started backing it up. Okay. Yeah. I think that's that's important to highlight because it's, it's not all apples to apples necessarily. Um, and so you mentioned environmental toxicity, and this is a, a piece I'd like to dig into what does that mean exactly? So I think a really common thing um, here, in, you know, in Colorado, even though it's quote unquote dry, um, some of the issues that I see here and, and, and definitely in other parts of the country too, this isn't just Colorado specific, um, I see a ton of mold. 
issues. Um, and people would say, how can that be? It's very dry. Um, we don't have any problems. I don't smell it. I don't see it. I don't have any issues. Um, but 90% of the time when I run a mold test and I suspect mold, um, it's positive. And the other thing that I see here commonly, because I'm running a lot of environmental tests here, I see a lot of benzene and petroleum byproducts in um, people's urine challenges here as well. Um, so environmental toxicity, high levels of plastics, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing rocket fuel, um, you know, byproducts in the blood. Also, you know, we're seeing heavy metals as well, which everybody has been exposed to. But, you know, um, all of those things are important and you have to know what you're detoxing and why. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I see that causes chronic health problems where someone cannot get to the bottom of the issue is mold. It's 100% mold, skin rashes, fatigue. Um, we were talking before we were recording dysregulated glucose. I've seen type one um, onset, late onset uh, mold potentially was one, if not the only trigger, but definitely one of the triggers in a moldy bathroom. Um, and I've seen blood sugar levels stabilize when you start to detox out the mold. Chronic weight issues um, that where you can't lose weight, you see somebody coming in with you know a diet that I mean just makes your eyeballs pop out of the pop out of your head because they're eating like 900 to a thousand calories per day. And that's it. Um, wow. you know, and they're not losing any weight and they feel like they're overweight and they've done all these diets, um, itchy skin, itchy, scratchy head fatigue. And they don't really know why gut issues actually, because mold dumps into the GI tract. Um, you see a lot of gut issues, um, be from mold exposure. Um, and those are just to name a few. Um, headaches, chronic headaches, can you name it? But in, in, interestingly enough, another really strange mold symptom are, are those moving, stabbing pains. That's actually a lot of times that can be mold. There's some crossover to Lyme, um, but I see when I run I run a urine challenge test just to see um, if they don't remember their exposure. Um, and a lot of times it's positive. And black mold is neurotoxic. Um, and it, that basically means that it causes all kinds of brain fog, all kinds of memory issues. Um, and, and it's very slow. Um, it can also cause respiratory issues. But it's a very, very slow grade. I mean, you certainly don't need to have all these issues. So my experience and why I became kind of when I why I became passionate about this and getting to the root causes, I get a lot of hard cases in my in my practice where they've been everywhere else. And so in my own personal experience, I'll never forget uh, what happened to me. I think I was exposed to mold growing up. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I remember I, I, rented a, I rented a house in, in Denver. It was an old bungalow and it was like a perfect location, all of that. And you get kind of blinded by those things, right? And um, I remember just every time I got home, I would say the term I'm blasted from work. I'm so tired and, I, and I'm high functioning. I work 12 hours a day, like I'm very busy. And so, you know, it would be natural for me to be tired. But I'd get home and I would walk into my house and it would just hit me. Like it was like a pound of bricks. This kept on going on where I wasn't sleeping as well. And then I noticed that my skin was itchy and I didn't feel as well rested. And then I felt like I wasn't as motivated and as focused. Um, and then I started losing hair and those were my only symptoms of mold. And those things mimic thyroid. And by the way, 
it started looking like I was having thyroid issues as well. Um, both on lab work, I was starting to get some autoimmune attacks and then also by symptomology. And I slowly started gaining weight with inflammation. I was 20 pounds heavier than I've ever been, but I didn't look any different. So it was all inflammatory reaction um, from the mold uh, in the in the basement of the house. And the only way I noticed it by the way, was I went away for a weekend. I slept great. Um, and I, the house was closed up and I came back home and I smelled it, but the windows were always open. So I never noticed it. And it created this chronic issue, um, that I, you know, and you write these things off like, Oh, I'm just a little older or, Oh, this is what happens when I turn 30 or whatever it is, like whatever excuse you're making. And it's hogwash. You shouldn't feel that way. Um, and so mold ultimately what I was feeling with the cognition and the, um, and not feeling motivated and not being as focused is mold depletes dopamine. And dopamine is very, very, very important to feel motivated, to feel focused, to have like a really good sense about yourself. Um, uh, Dopamine is the reason like we sit down and do taxes, even though we don't want to. (laughs) Um, Dopamine deficiency that looks really bad. You look a whole lot like Eeyore, like, oh, poor me. Oh, sacrifice the donkey. But it can be much more mild than that. Like, I just don't feel like sitting down and doing taxes. I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to do that. Um, You just, or I don't have the concentration to be able to sit through the day. Or by the way, I need caffeine to get going. That's a, those are, those can be dopamine symptoms. Um, Also sweating in the middle of the night. So um, it just kind of gives you that get up and go. So that's why I got so passionate about mold. And I will tell you, on the amount of, of chronic cases that I have, when in a, if I suspect mold and I run a mold test and there's mold in the history, it almost always comes back positive. Wow. I This is very, very interesting. I have so many thoughts and questions. So mold exists in a home, for example. So somebody is living and breathing in an environment where there's mold. They come to you, how, how does it show on a test, I guess? Like, how does it get into, is it, is it, um, yeah, that's my question. How, how do you test for it? What, what actually happens when a person is exposed, like in the actual body? Yeah. So, um, how we test for it is, um, ultimately I do, um, I do something that's going to help you detox it. So I use a glutathione-based um, supplement that um, is liposomal, which means it's absorbed orally. And so that helps you to detoxify that, okay? So before you run the test. So ultimately what I'm doing is I'm doing high-dose antioxidant status mm-hmm. so that people can start to excrete the mold, right? So that's a, like a really important point. Okay. And then ultimately you run a urine challenge test. Okay. Um, and there's no gold standard test for, um, for mold. Um, the urine challenge test has been the closest that we've gotten. Okay. So, um, and so what ends up happening is they will excrete it out of their system if they've been chronically exposed. And then there's a number to see like how chronically exposed they have been, like how bad is it? Um, And so that gives me an idea of how long these patients potentially need to detox um, from the mold exposure. 
Another way it shows up, and that's a specialized lab test, okay? Um, most people do not run that lab test unless they're looking or treating for mold. Uh, a way that I think that it shows up in basic labs, like in something that you would have run by just, you know, your primary care physician um, or any functional medicine doctor or, or whatnot, we run things called a CBC and a CMP. So a CBC is where you see those white blood cells. It it says WBC, it says RDW, it says all these initials that you're like, what is that? So all of those things give us a snapshot into into your immune system. And so what that tells us is your immune system suppressed for some reason right? Mm -hmm. And so what we generally will see or what I generally see with that, and sometimes it's actually normal. So I just want to point that out. But a lot of times the white blood cells are functionally depressed, not pathologically. Remember, you're not going to be flagged on that reference range. And then I also will sometimes see high levels of inflammation in the body, which in that marker, we use monocytes. And again, you're, you're generally not outside of the range. So we see that be a picture, the best way to determine if there was mold exposure is based on their history. If I just suspect it based on their history and when their symptoms started, I gener- that's, that's how I move forward with the test. And that's why I move forward with the test. And then basically how chronic and how much they're suffering. Acne is another reason that people have mold toxicity, by the way. That's a, another interesting side note. So it's like mold and inflammation. There's so many symptoms. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I'm like kind of baffled. Yeah, it's a mimicker, right? So it looks like a lot of different things. Like I have acne. I have hormone problems, probably. You probably have hormone problems. You could have mold. You could have both. Or it could just be one or the other. It's kind of like taking that approach to figure out like what's what exactly is the problem right? And so mold will definitely affect your hormones. And so what does one do about like living in a place, say they've come to you and they've, and you've got them on this detox plan, but they still live in this area. Like what are the options there? Um, if, if somebody suspects that they have mold in their house, um, I really recommend getting with, um, a company that tests for mold. Some people ask me, they say, can I use the test at Home Depot or at Ace or, or whatnot? My understanding of those tests is that they actually have to be touching the mold source for those to be positive. So if you're not touching the mold source, I don't think when you really dig into those tests, and there could be one out there that I'm not familiar with, but when you really dig into those mold tests, they um, have to be touching it to be positive. It's not air air quality, right? So, so um I recommend just getting with a company that tests for it. And yes, granted, it's somewhere, it's it's not cheap. It's somewhere between three and five hundred dollars or five fifty, I've even heard in some cases. But um, I think it's really well worth it to know if you have mold in your home, especially if you own it. Sometimes I've seen the remediation process be really quick and easy and not be very expensive. Um, in other situations, like especially if you're a renter, that's ideal. I mean, it's really a best case scenario to move. And in my situation, I did. I chose to move and I, I chose to purchase a home where I could actually control what happened to the home before and that the, the people took care of it a little bit better. I mean, rentals, a lot of times, you know, sometimes floods aren't remediated or unless you have a landlord that's on it. And I think in some states, it's not really regulated. I don't think it's overly regulated in Colorado. Yeah, this is kind of news. I just did a quick like Google search <laughs> for mold companies and because it's it's so, yeah, you would you would hate to be find yourself in that situation 
um, and be stuck without realizing that that could be leading to X, Y, and Z when it's something that like it's your home. It's a place you wouldn't expect to be adding toxicity to your life, which it, it, yeah. Right. I mean, I told, I told a patient, you know, like before we got on this call, actually, I, I had a patient that was referred to me in here and very young. Um, so she had just been written off. Like there was nothing wrong with her. And, um, finally we figured out that she was being heavily exposed in a moldy basement, um, and had been exposed to mold her entire life. And once she just got out of that situation, her personality changed dramatically. Her skin healed up, her fatigue was better, but she's having blackouts during parts of the day. Like she doesn't remember portions of her day or having meltdowns, depression, anxiety, just all of these things that just make her life very, very challenging. And so in that situation, I basically said, you're a renter, move in with your parents, move, do something like, um, because your situation is so bad. And so I personally, um, do not choose to detox until someone's out of that situation. Uh, right. Cause what's the point? Yeah. Right. So I, I basically level with them and I say, you know, I can give you some antioxidants in the meantime, just to help you from the free radical damage, but I don't think it's worth wasting your money on something that you're constantly being exposed to. I think you have to remove yourself from the situation first. That's my, that's my perspective. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting, man. That, And it would just be so devastating if people didn't know more about this and didn't know that that would be something to check if they're having any kind of symptom, really. It sounds like it can affect so many parts of the body. You touched on hormones um, and affecting hormones. So let's dig into that for a second because that is a huge problem area. Um, So in what ways does that show up in your experience with, um, with hormones, men or women? Every which way, boy. Um, so men are easy because uh, we can just talk about you know a few of the hormones. But you know, for men, what I generally see is um, I see pretty low levels of testosterone as a general rule. You know, in in inflammation affects testosterone, right? So, you know, again, if a patient was exposed to mold, if they're exposed to environmental toxins, if their liver isn't filtering right, if um, they're not eating the right foods for their body, if they have a a general infection, uh, any of those things that cause inflammation in your body, which is pretty much everything, blood sugar dysregulation, eating too much sugar, all those things can lower testosterone, right? Because testosterone has an inverse relationship with inflammation which means if inflammation's up, testosterone's down, right? And so um, I've had experiences where if I can just figure out where the inflammation is coming from and combat it or just do something to help with the inflammation, we'll generally see the testosterone rise. Um, sometimes um, there's something else going on, but for as a general rule, that helps. You also have to look upstream from the testosterone. So you also have to look at their also their their DHEA levels or their pregnenolone levels. Um, I don't really like to get into adrenal gland fatigue or all of that. Um, I like, I think, um, just thinking about how the adrenal gland works, um, is that if you're super stressed out and you have a lot going on, your body naturally uses cortisol, right. To blot that inflammation down. And so cortisol steals from something called pregnenolone. And this is this is also valid for females. And so if cortisol is always up, it causes inflammation and it also it also 
creates a pregnenolone steal. Your pregnenolone goes down. Pregnenolone is, is partially responsible for running a lot of the hormone pathways. If you're constantly stressed and your cortisol is constantly up, you're going to start to accumulate belly fat. You're going to start to accumulate inflammation. And then ultimately, your pregnenolone is going to drop and you, you're going to have a harder time running some of those hormone pathways because your adrenal gland only has a certain amount to run, you know, of cholesterol to run these pathways, right? And so if it doesn't get enough, say, if, it, if it's constantly putting it all into cortisol, you can't run the rest of the adrenal pathways. Um, and so I think that that's a really important point. And some of the rest of the adrenal pathways, you know, in men, you know, would be, you know, testosterone, DHEA, and obviously estrogen, et cetera. Um, in women, you know, we're thinking more of the progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, DHEA areas. And so, I mean, I think it starts from a top-down approach, right? So again, you have to make sure the pregnenolone's right. You have to make sure the patient's eating enough fat to run that pathway. You have to remove those stressors, like whatever is stressing their body out. Is it environmental toxin? Is their blood sugar stabilized? Um, are they eating foods that are too much for them? Do they not have enough neurotransmitters? Like how is their liver functioning? Is their gallbladder functioning, et cetera? Like going through and figuring out what's happening, what's going on with their thyroid. Thyroid's a huge one here. And, and figuring out potentially where we take the stress off. You know, if someone's just constantly in a state of anxiety or stress, I give neurotransmitter therapy to help them react to their stress differently because their stress isn't going to change, right? And so I'll use neurotransmitters to change their relationship with stress um, because that helps those, those fluctuations. And then it depends on what's going on. So for example, let's say I have um, a patient that um, is a woman and um, she has she, her, her period is irregular, right? She has PMS, her husband, her boyfriend is like, she is terrifying. That oh, God. Her period. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like men come in and they're nodding. Like it's scary. Like I stay out of the house. Let's say she's having pretty severe PMS. You know, she's got pretty severe cramping. She may be spots before period, irregular bleeding, you know, pretty good pain. Um, and so I'll kind of look at what's going on with the hormones, before that's happening with the cycle. So, you know, is it like a, an early PCOS type issue? Um, you know, what does her testosterone look like? What does her progesterone look like? What does her estrogen look like? How do we get those in balance? You know, because women are, we, we're, we're very dynamic with our hormones. They change all the way through the month. So I've heard very commonly it's stated that, and most women will come in and say, I know it's a problem with my hormones. Like it sounds like it. They're like, well, my primary care won't run hormones. They say that it's irrelevant because my hormones change so much. That's true. That's all very true. But ultimately it's really important. If you're running a blood test, you can get a pretty solid amount of information but like by taking a snapshot of when that patient is having symptoms. And so you can get a good idea of what's going on, right? Um, and Or you can even run a test called a Dutch test. Um, and, and that tells us what's happening through ovulation, which is a saliva. And how I explain this is if you're doing a blood test, you know, uh, we're in Colorado, so I'll just make this reference. It's kind of like we have an area we call the front range on Colorado, in Colorado. And it's 
basically, you know, Fort Collins down to to Colorado Springs. And it would be saying, I'm going to determine the number of the people in front range in the front range by saying how many people are on the major highway I-25. So you can get a pretty good snapshot of what's going on, but is it perfectly accurate? Do you know what's going on in the tissues? Do you know who's in the homes? Do you know who's in the buildings? No, you don't. That's when you're actually going to use more something um, like a Dutch test to figure out what's going on with cortisol levels, with progesterone throughout the month, with estrogen, with testosterone. And so again, you're looking at these ranges to say, okay, well, these are all, you know, my primary says these are all in range or these shouldn't be causing my symptoms. Again, we have to look back into the functional picture and see, you know, what is an ideal number? And then we have to compare it to the symptoms. If a patient is having problems a week before her period, and that's the only time she's having symptoms, it's 100% hormones. Which is so common. And you even just mentioning, like, if you have PMS, then something's not necessarily balanced. If you're having, like, crazy pain or right. symptoms, period, it's not how it should be. And I think that's that's something that's being talked about now, but is really important. I think I grew up thinking, yeah, you have PMS and then you have your period. Like first one, then the other. And it's sad that for some reason that message got across like, you know, this is normal. Like you really do need to stay home because your cramps are so bad and you do need to have your boyfriend uh, give you space because you, you know, you can't control your emotions and it's sad, right? It's scary. And it feels like And I think it kind of leads women to be a little afraid or ashamed of what their body's doing if it's acting in a way that's that's reactive to something else that's going on. It's not necessarily acting the way it optimally. Yeah. And women feel out of control and they come in and they use the word out of control, crazy, and that there's something wrong with them. And I'm super passionate about this topic because the same thing happened to me. I mistook my appendix exploding for hormone cramps, period cramps. Like it was like, oh yeah, I have a nine out of 10 pain. You know, that's just the way it is. That's my doctor told me, welcome to womanhood. This is what it is. I mean, I almost went into sepsis. That's crazy to, that we're conditioned that way. And when you really drill down, most women around their periods that are having hormone issues are somewhere between a six and a nine on a, on a one out of 10 pain scale. That's crazy. Or zero out of 10. I mean, they're just grinning and bearing it and like going through the day and they know it's coming. And you should, I mean, you should not know your period is coming and you should not have issues coming up on your period, right? Um, You should not have these terrible cramps. You should not have, you know, spotting and then bleeding and then spotting again. You should be regular. Um, There's something else going on in your body. And I tell women is hormones are the first thing to go when you're dysregulated, when something isn't right, because they are not needed to sustain your life. They're only needed to sustain another's life, right? And so your body's trying to tell you not to get pregnant. Like, hey, we need to do some things, cleaning up some things before you get pregnant. Do you mind just doing these things first? So I'm going to kind of just put this system on the back burner. That's really interesting. And I, I, you know, and I think, you know, hormones for on you know, for female, you know, for reproducing age, there's definitely something going on. I see a a lot of high levels of testosterone in women, which cause all kinds of problems. And, you know, and so 
ultimately like getting to the source of what's causing that is really important to stabilize that in women, right? Um, and we're looking at that like, oh, hair growth on the face, hair growth that's not ideal where you don't really want it. Um, you know, in, in some of those, those period issues that we're getting, um, which can come from blood sugar dysregulation, believe it or not, that we're cycling, circling back to that. And blood sugar dysregulation can come from a variety of issues, right? It can come from, you know, environmental toxins. I keep going back to this. It can come from stress, which we're all a pro, you know, we just have to figure out how to manage that and get up our, our um, neurotransmitters to a level that we can really handle it. But also lack of sleep, too much sugar, nutrient deficiencies all play into that. Chronically high cortisol or chronically high stress, like processed foods, like high fructose corn syrup, all play into this picture of, um, of hormone dysregulation, believe it or not. Wow. And you touched a little on PCOS. Um, what is that exactly? I know it's very common. We talked about now, but maybe not so much before. So um, PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome or disease. Um, and so what ends up happening in this is you get, in the full-blown disease, you're going to get cysts on your ovaries. You may or may not have cysts on your ovaries. I'll just see higher levels of androgen type hormones, which is, you know, testosterone, um, high levels of DHEA and byproducts of testosterone. So you'll see higher levels of those. And so that causes problems like it causes hair growth, it can cause acne. It can it can cause people to gain weight. These are the patients that come in and again, they're eating like 900 to 1000 calories. When they go through their diet, I think my mouth is open and you know, the patient always says, "What? Like am I eating too much?" And I'm like, "I think I ate your entire day for breakfast. <laughs> I mean, I just like so aghast. I'm like, you live like this. That's so challenging. That's incredible. And they're like, well, if I eat anymore, I just gain so much weight. It's just miserable for me. Um, there's not always, not everybody is heavy or overweight. There is also a skinny PCOS as well. But you also will see hormone dysregulation, dysfunction. Um, you'll get a lot of PCOS pain um, as well. And, you know, again, in, in even the skinny PCOS, a lot of times these women have a really hard time maintaining their weight. You'll almost see eating disorder like eating with these patients. And, and yeah, it's like, gosh, it's just so sad that I'm so happy we're talking about this and, and sharing like, this doesn't have to be your normal. And there are ways to support the body. It's that these symptoms are just a response to an imbalance and you're not alone. There are ways to figure it out. It just takes a little bit of digging because we're such, we're so complex in a way, like our bodies are so intertwined, but also simple, right? They're, they're shouting at us. If we're experiencing these symptoms, they're it's saying like, Hey, like, listen to me, right? <laughs> you know? Right. And you yeah. also, I, I do want to add this too, because um, a lot of times women will just be put on birth control for this condition and then they'll want to get pregnant and they have problems getting pregnant. Um, and so I think it's really important to figure out maybe what's going on or why you're being put on birth control or what's happening with your hormones that, that you need to, to stabilize with birth control. And, and a lot of women are really afraid to come off, but this is a really easy problem to manage actually without birth control. And a tip with birth control, birth control actually depletes your B vitamins. So that's something really important to know. 
you'll actually get some nutrient deficiencies from being on birth control long-term, as well as I also, I personally don't think birth control is safe. Um, That's just, that's my opinion on it. Um, The research, in my opinion, suggests that, you know, from, from clots to, you know, I've seen pulmonary embolisms to all kinds of other problems uh, with birth control that I just don't like the side effects of it. Um, I also think that you at higher risk of certain cancers as well. The research has su- suggested 40% more likely to get um, certain cancers. Um, so in, in, in certain cases, it does reduce it. But um, yeah, I just, I don't like those odds. Yeah, like as a, bl- as a blanket thing that is really proposed for most women in like high school years and they carry on, you know, thinking that's what they have to be doing, that there's no other option that, you know, being told the myth that we're pregnant, we can get pregnant every single day of our cycle, that we better be careful that, you know, this is like our duty that we have to be safe this way. And here's the pill. And you have like three options, essentially it's devastating. And I do I do want that message to get across. I mean, I felt like I had no choice but to manage my PMS through without birth control. That was like the only option I was given. I know so many people that don't want to be on the pill, but they just don't understand what it's actually doing to their body and they think, you know, that's really the only way to prevent a pregnancy. There's so and, many options. I mean, I use um natural cycles like the temperature um every morning type of thing, which is way easier on my body. It is like a, yeah, I have to do it every single day. Um, I have to track that every single day. And there's a few things that, you know, you have to sleep through the night and et cetera. But like, to me, that was just such a freedom. It wasn't a burden. If you want my opinion, I think tracking it and like knowing when you're fertile and when you're not fertile and temperature regulation, all of that, I think that that is the way to do it. Um, I, I'm not a fan of the IUDs at all. Uh, not at all, um, especially, and I get asked a lot about the Paragard uh, because it's non-hormonal or um, the copper IUD. Um, I I personally think that flow is so heavy, it leads to iron deficiency anemia. Um, I've seen people have all kinds of musculoskeletal problems. And then on top of that, high levels of copper in the body lead to brain deterioration. Oh and so for long term there's there's issues with that and there's actually this is really interesting there's a facebook page um on women that have been recovering from paragard um which is pretty informative but um probably once a week you see somebody post on there like my paragard baby which you know they got pregnant <laughs> with oh paragard God. in and i think that that's kind of the most enlightening piece is up oh, here's another paragard baby and it's kind of become a joke in this facebook group where up oh, here's another one and you know i've heard through the grapevine a lot of women have gotten pregnant on the paragard and and explain what what is paragard exactly I'm sorry. It's a copper IUD. It's a copper. Okay. Right. Not yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a non-hormonal yeah. IUD. Oh, gosh. Um, and so, you know, you can get copper to- toxicity. Copper is good and, and it, it definitely it's needed, but, um, a lot of that, and there's a lot of PubMed research studies, which is a gold standard. It says this leads to brain deterioration. This leads to memory loss. These lead to other, um, other issues in the brain um, as well. We've posted some of those on our, our Facebook page, which is super uplifting, I'm sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but important. I mean, hey. Like, necessary. Who knows that? Yeah, totally. Who knows that? And you I don't, just, you're yeah. not told it's not safe. 
No, you're not. And and there's just, it's just so important to just feel like to be educated, just do some research to it. Don't take the first piece of medical advice you receive. Just don't assume that that is the only way to be because there's just so many other modalities that have different perspectives that, I mean, in my opinion, just seem to be a little bit more holistic. And I think that's hopefully where our medicine is heading in, in that way. And I'm so grateful that you exist to give people a way to manage their, any health issues they're having naturally. Um, where can people find you in this area, in the area? Sure. Um, so you can find us. We've got a lot of information on our website. It's short for Alternative Family Medicine. It's Alt ALT Fam F A M Med M E D. We're um, we're in. We just launched our um, podcast. It's called Fearless Health Podcast. So got a lot of great information on there, and we also have fearlesshealthpodcast.com. It's linked up, and then all of our social sites. You can find us all over social media, and that's our alternative family medicine and chiropractic. So shoot us uh, questions. Let us know if you have anything, and we're happy to help. That's amazing. Yeah, I, this is like an episode that is a must hear for everybody, especially in this area. If you can actually go visit Longmont and uh, or the Denver location, I think there's so many takeaways here. Like I'm really stuck on the mold one. That's gonna I'm gonna have to dig into that one on my on my own because that is so interesting to me. I'm so glad we talked about that. And I love talking about women's health. I think it's so important and so under talked about. So just thank you so much for covering all these topics with such knowledge and. I really am. Yeah. I'm just so grateful for this, this conversation. Thank you. I was so grateful to, I'm just so grateful to be here and have this conversation. This was just a lot of fun. So thank you so much for having me on. That was amazing. Thanks for listening all the way through. And if you like this episode, head over to iTunes, leave a ratings and review. Make sure you check out Dr. Anne-Marie Barter everywhere on her website at at fammed.com. She's a podcast. She, she just mentioned that. It's Fearless Health Podcast. I'm linking all that into the show notes so you can't miss it. And just thanks for being here today with me and exploring this health and wellness world together. It means a lot to have you here as a listener. It really does. Um, I'd love to hear from you too. So if you are on Instagram, I'm there at naturally underscore nomadic where I'm posting random tidbits of health and wellness and then just general things that are on my mind. Um, So head over there for more on me. And that's all I have today. So see you next time. (music) 